0: Hello and welcome to Real Matters of the Heart where we say life is about chances and you determine how many you take but not how many you get. My name is Joy. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have a special guest with me, Miss Nina. I want to have her introduce herself, tell her a little bit about what you do, Nina, and then we're going to jump right in.
1: All right. Hello, hello, everybody. My name is Nina Flagg. I'm a professional dancer and choreographer And uh, I've been dancing since I was about three. I know people say that, and it's like, what did you do at three? You couldn't have done anything. (laughs) But (laughs) my mom is a professional dancer and choreographer, and so um, Karen McDonald is my mom. And uh, I was always around dance. So, you know, when I say I've been dancing since I was three, I mean, introduced to it, taking class, being around it, seeing choreography, seeing concert dance, and just knowing what that is and being introduced to the arts working in theater, concert dance, um, as well as television, and uh, kind of splitting that world of working commercially and still doing the things that really inspire me artistically um, and allow me to express, you know, what I really feel and who I really feel I am as an artist, aside from the commercial aspect of dance.
0: Yeah. I wish... uh, This is one of those moments when I wish... This was like more of a TV show than a podcast because I would like totally put Nina on the spot right now and be like, Bust a (laughs) move. Because to see her dance is totally an experience. It's very authentic, I think, to her. Like, no matter what, I've seen her do multiple different styles of dance, like house dancing and um, modern dancing and all these hip hop, all these different styles. And no matter what the choreography is, there's always going to be something that is very authentically and uniquely a Nina thing mm, and you. so if you could see that and understand that um i think it would bring a little bit more depth to the conversation today but you're just going to take my word for it <laughs> because she is phenomenal and i'm always inspired and her mother she mentioned karen mcdonald i started dancing when i was two mostly because my mom knew i was going to be tall mm. she was like you're she, we were told my mom was told when i was two years old i think or we're very young that i was going to be tall over six feet. Wow. And she said, oh, mm-mm. because she grew up in her generation. She was tall. She's about five, eight. Uh-huh. But for her generation, that was a tall, tall girl. And so five, eight is still pretty tall now, right? Yeah.
1: Five, eight is still pretty tall. Yeah.
0: So, before, but back yeah. when, you know, when she was growing up, that was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so when she knew I was going to be tall and just kind of remembering some of the struggles she had as a young woman growing up. Be it just, you know, kind of growing, having those really fast growth spurts and kind of growing into your body and being coordinated and, and understanding like kind of how to move and being graceful and all of those things. Um, so I th- I was I'm incredibly grateful that she had uh, the, the, just the foresight to say, you know what, we're going to get a wrangle in this early mm-hmm. <laughs> and put you in classes <laughs> so you know how to handle those limbs. And so it was never really about anything beyond that. But for me, I just loved it. And I've always loved it. And I started dancing with Karen McDonald, Nina's mom, when I was very young. And then she taught at my high school. And then I still take class with her whenever I can, um, just in local studios. And so phenomenal, phenomenal woman beyond the art. Of of course, within the art, but beyond the art. And I always appreciate her class and her wisdom that she always shares. And just her energy and everything. So, So you mentioned that you do... Some commercial work as well. So, tell us a little bit about some of the uh, people you've worked with, and if you want to, you know, it's a podcast, or so maybe a little bit of tea if you got it. <laughs> no, oh, no, but I mean, just or just—it doesn't have to be gossip. But I mean, just like stories, you know, because I'm sure you have great stories from touring and things like that, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, I was working with Fatima Robinson, who I always wanted to work with since I was a teenager. Just really admiring how she navigates her way through this industry and not conforming in terms of her style. Mm-hmm. Coming out of the nineties, you know, New Jack Swing and the and the way hip hop was danced, it was big. It was mm-hmm. overt, it was energetic. Um and then, you know, with artists like Aaliyah you saw more of this laid-back vibe, the way that she was dancing and choreography, but having some textures and not just doing what everybody was doing. So I started to take notice and really look at that and say, you know, this is somebody that I want to work with. And, um, you know, I just liked her style and just that she was she was a chocolate girl doing her thing mm-hmm. and, like, not trying to be anyone but herself. Right. And, and just so, for the
0: people who listen, who are listening who may not know who Fatima Robinson is— some of her work, she mentioned, Nina mentioned Aaliyah that she worked with, but you may know her, I think, probably mm-hmm. most famously for working with Michael Jackson, right, on the Remember the Time Yes, yeah, she, yeah, she was a dancer.
1: Yes, yeah. she was a dancer in Remember the Time. I mean, she's worked with everybody. And still just... I
0: actually worked with her on a commercial, uh-huh. random. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking when she came down the stairs, like, oh, this totally makes sense mm-hmm. after remembering. And it was just like a very small, not super choreographed piece, but... Needed to be choreographed mm-hmm. from the perspective of understanding that not everybody's a dancer and movement is very foreign to yeah, some people. Yeah. So for me, it was just like, oh, okay, as a dancer, right? But I totally got why somebody who isn't a dancer might have needed a professional to come in and say, no, you probably need to move like mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that that was and that was a great experience because you're right, she is a chocolate lady who came in and like yeah. made some moves in yeah. the industry for sure.
1: And, and choreographing the Academy Awards in recent years, I mean, taking over that torch, you know, Debbie Allen was the first black woman, I think first woman, and she, she had that contract for years. And I and I actually got a chance to work with her, which I just forgot until I said that. So really my first commercial experience was when I was 11. I danced in the Academy Awards, and I was a gymnast. And um, we did Aladdin that year, and uh, A Whole New World. Oh, and um, and Debbie love. Allen, yeah, Debbie Allen choreographed that. Um, yeah, that was my first commercial experience, was actually with, with Miss Debbie Allen. And then as an Cause adult... Because that's not amazing. Are you kidding me? Like... <laughs>
0: Debbie Allen like how many of us in our generation did not grow up watching fame and just being Violent. like I absolutely am about to be Debbie yeah. Allen or like something in that realm right yeah. especially if you're a dancer an artist in any way shape or form so like that's huge for that mm-hmm. to be your first gig like oh I just did something with Debbie <laughs> like Auntie Deb like what <laughs> that's huge
1: <laughs> so that relationship you know just continued you know it started as a young person and it, and it continued and Up until today, you know, so that's, that's been really just a a wonderful thing to see how relationships progress Mm -hmm. and you never know how, where things are going to take you. But, um, you know, when I, when I started looking at what was happening commercially when I was 14, 15, 16, seeing videos, I thought that that was very doable, meaning I see black women dancing in videos um, and not like explicit videos, I mean like real sh- choreography where you yeah. have skill and I thought I can do that. But the, the part of it that I didn't understand was the look and the aesthetic and what you have to look like and the fact that camera adds 10 pounds. So if you're mm-hmm. a thick girl and I'm a curvy girl, I used to be even thicker and over the years I've kind of done different things with my body in terms of how I work my body. So I'm a little smaller than I used to be. But, you know, I had hips, I had butt, you know, really thick legs. And so that part of it, I wasn't prepared for. Mm. So as I started to come into this idea, you know, I had natural hair, and that was like a no-go. Now natural hair is popular, and now you right. can work commercially with natural hair. Now you see the formation tour, and you have all, you see lemonade, you have all these ethnic styles. Mm-hmm. But that was not the case, you it was know. was not popping. Um, yeah, in the 90s. All. 90s early 2000s that wasn't the case you had to be weaved up you had to look a certain way absolutely
0: 90s was about yeah. the light-skinned girl you got yeah. to have that light-skinned chick in the front seat while yeah. you whipping through
1: yeah yeah and two so, miles
0: per hour so right, right.
1: so yeah that was different so that was a little bit of a a wake-up call or I won't even say a wake-up call but just something that I came up against and I really had to make a decision as to whether i was going to conform to that and weave up and lose weight um and then there was also that same challenge in the concert dance world you're mm-hmm. talking i'm in, i'm coming from a ballet background always knowing my body was a challenge always trying to hide and tuck and be smaller and you know give the illusion that i wasn't curvy and i didn't have this thighs and this butt and so there was also that challenge going on there when it was time to audition for colleges and looking to get into dance programs. It's like, what is your body looking like? I need to be smaller to audition. Um, you know, if I'm going to dance realistically of the dance company, I have to be smaller. And so it just started to change my game plan in terms mm-hmm. of how I fit into the dance world. And I decided I didn't want to conform. I didn't, you know. I still wanted to be me and have my own hair and do what I Yay, wanted to do.
0: That makes me so happy because yeah, it's hard. I mean, it, it, it's it hard is not hard. to. It's hard not to feel like pressured. It, it you know, it's like and like, am I giving up on my dream because I'm being stubborn? I don't want to change my hair. Am I, you know? Mm-hmm. And you kind of start to question your your values or your priorities or, you know. All it just it, it can be it can be really a mental thing it is a huge mental thing about you questioning your own self
1: absolutely and you know? and questioning your own skill because right. you know then you come into an industry where it's no longer about dance, it's actually about how you look right before anything else and that was the part that was kind of the the final straw for me. It was like, okay, this is I mean, I remember I went to an audition, and the choreographer had me demonstrate. And said, that's what it should look like. And then he cut me. He said, he, he looked at me and he said, <sighs> well, with your hair. I said, well, I can do a wig. And he said, hmm. And he looked at me and he actually cut me. And that was like a point where I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. You have someone. It's, it's not about the dancing. Because you just said this. Oh, is right, how like I'm the dance.
0: prototype for right. the style of dance you're looking for. So
1: that was like, okay, it's really not about the dance. something that I studied my whole life. Now I'm getting to a point or a place where that doesn't matter. And so, you know, that can be a mind trip, a, a, a serious mind trip. Yeah. Where it's like, now what? Now it's not about the skill and I have to look a certain way. So once I decided that I wasn't going to conform to that, I had to restructure what I thought my career was going to look like. And I haven't, I haven't really had a commercial dance career in terms of being in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. But the commercial side of the career came as a choreographer and as an assistant choreographer. Um, So that was interesting, that it forced me to be in a different role, but also a more empowering role.
0: I would say Um, so, for sure. Yeah, which I I didn't,
1: yeah, I always thought, just dancer. You know, I'm going to be a dancer first, and then when I can't dance anymore, my body doesn't do what I need to do, then I'm going to choreograph. But it didn't happen like that, which, you know, has been a blessing. Um, But that's kind of how things happen. So working with Fatima, I did the Will Smith jobs, and then she also brought me on for a Prince job, which was... An interesting story I mean you know in, in in the industry you don't kiss and tell so to speak So you, right, don't, you, only, you don't say anything negative about people that you work with so I would never I can't give you any tea about people like that, but I can <laughs> no. give you interesting tidbits about yeah. things that have happened um, we went for this job and I had just finished working with her for Will Smith so um, she just said show up at this uh, time in this location and we didn't know what it was for we had to find... Fa- she decide. didn't know either. No, she knew. But oh, But okay. she couldn't tell us. Okay. And so we had to sign an NDA, um, which is a non-disclosure agreement saying that you won't talk about the project, you won't say anything about it to anyone. Mm-hmm. And we had to park our cars in a parking lot, get on a bus, <laughs> and then the bus took us. We didn't know where we were that's going. That's such a
0: Prince experience, yeah. though. And like, that's yeah, a Yeah, that she just experience. told you,
1: dress a particular way. Hilarious. Come camera ready. We got on the bus. We parked our cars. We drove, drove up into the hills. Um... And, it, and then we got there and we walked through the door, we saw all the stuff that had the Prince emblem in it. And
0: mm-hmm. we saw DJ
1: Rashida and she was um, DJing and it was a house. It was, mm-hmm. it was a, a, a mansion. So we went in and then we were told what the job was there. And it was for a project, a film that he actually shot that was never released or at least not to my knowledge was released. At one point, we were served dinner, and everything was fabulous. I mean, everything had the prints implemented, down to the quiche, the ice sculpture, everything that wow. you were eating was like the print sculpture, and it wow. was amazing. And, you know, he said, just eat, have a good time. He thanked us for coming, and they actually filmed us as we were eating. So we were just socializing, mm-hmm. and um, it, was, it was basically that type of thing for the entire evening into the morning. <laughs> and then we got on the bus... And we went back back to the parking lot. We got in and it was like,
0: okay, what just happened? I want to share these two Prince stories really quickly. (laughs) Because the first first one is not really a Prince story. It's really a joy story. (laughs) But Prince is in it. So I went to a play and it was a Tyler Perry play. Uh And uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a Tyler Perry play, but he 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 often goes off script. Uh Uh-huh. And at this particular night that I went to the play, I think we got our tickets from like Tyra Banks or somebody, really random. Mm-hmm. So this particular night was like a star-studded crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Like Chaka Khan was in the crowd, Oprah Winfrey was in the crowd, um, mm-hmm. Patti LaBelle was in the crowd. Mm-hmm. All these like people, right? Mm-hmm. And so at this moment when he went Tyler Perry off script as Medea, he went off the script and he started kind of catering to these people who, who he knew were in the crowd. So he was, like, telling stories about growing up and da-da-da-da. But in the midst of telling these stories, he was, like, weaving in their songs. So he would, like, bust into a Shaka Khan song and then a different song and whatever. Mm-hmm. So there was a moment where they started playing the Purple Rain chords. Uh-huh. And I just remember thinking in my mind, like, oh, my gosh, every time, every time he would bust into their song, like, they would stand up and wave. And everybody was like, oh, she's in the house or he's in the house. Mm-hmm. So when the Prince Purple Rain chords came on, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> because... If he stands up, I'm gonna lose my whole mind, and I'm gonna tell you. But by this point, too, I should also say the security started kind of like trickling (laughs) down the aisles because they knew, like, all right, people or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like now that I'm thinking about it, I don't wonder if those were like princess-specific security, or if that was just security knowing, Mm. okay, there's celebrities in the house. We probably need to like get this crowd under control, right? Because nobody was really acting a fool until Joy. (laughs) So. The Prince chords, Purple Rain, boom, and I'm in my mind, freak out. Oh, my God, if Prince is here, what am I going to do? Turns out, Prince was not only there, he was sitting like two rows in front of me. But how (laughs) would I know? He's so small. So small. So, like, he stood up and I lost it. (laughs) And I don't know, like, (laughs) I don't know if I thought, like, I don't know what I thought I was about to do. But I just know that I tried to dart to the... (laughs) <laughs> i tried to dart to the road to the aisle oh, no,
1: to like get to him or i
0: don't know what but it was like all before i even thought about what i was doing it just happened like my body involuntarily was like oh my god and i just remember the security guard fully clotheslined me boom and like, it was just but it like shook me back to reality like what the fuck were you thinking you were about to do what were you thinking you were about to do right now did you oh really think you were just goodness. gonna do what, go hug him?
1: Oh my! What is goodness. happening?
0: So I, that that day will always stick out to me because I still am not really sure what I thought was about to happen oh. when he stood up. I just thought, oh my god, he's this close to me. I can't let this oh happen. He's right there. Goodness. So the the second print story is that I was out at this nightclub place and we were we were trying to sit down at this table.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> And the whole night, the security kept coming and saying, this table is reserved. By this point, it's like 1 in the morning. Mm-hmm. This is LA. The sh- club is shutting down at one thirty. Right. So whoever reserved this table ain't coming. My feet hurt, bro. Let me sit down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He kept saying, the table's reserved. The table's reserved. I'm like, what the? So finally, this cloud of blackness, people dressed in black, <laughs> fully, head to toe, comes in, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, clearly this is the person who reserved the table, because... Who else comes in mobbing in with 39 people dressed from head to toe in black? Like, really walking in like a huge cloud, right? Like, they're just clumped together walking. So then they go and sit down. And, like, as they approach the booth that I'm, like, solemnly and apprehensively finally getting up from because, oh.
1: Right. My feet. My
0: feet. (laughs) And you just had to come now. He finally acquiesced and let me sit down. Now here you want to come finally claim your little funky booth. Fine. So, (laughs) the security opens up, the cloud opens up, and out walks little tiny print. Of course. And I was just like, to claim this boot. And of course, now, now I'm like, of course it's you. But now I have this attitude that's like, I can't even be hyped that it's you because my damn feet hurt. And you know my feet hurt because you wear boots all the fucking time. <laughs> so those are my two, oh.
1: two prints
0: like, semi-personal encounters really? i super love him yeah. i really do i'm yeah. so grateful for his contribution to the music industry Absolutely. that's super dope that you got to actually work with him and not get clothes line. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: goodness because
0: i fully got clothes clothesline. like he
1: was like Who, what you think he about to do
0: i don't know sir i don't oh. even know so those are my those are my two print stories that's but
1: funny. That's anyway
0: <laughs> so you got dropped oh. back at your covert mission right uh parking lot You're
1: right and, and only <laughs> and went about your life. couldn't even tell anybody <laughs> told my family oh, right my mom and my dad and my brother <laughs> like guess what just happened to me i had a secret prince
0: moment that's amazing
1: but yeah i mean and that was an amazing thing just to be around him and he was just so i mean unsuspecting because his image was larger than life but being around mm-hmm. him he was so tiny just in stature mm-hmm. and the first thing i thought was just how thin he was oh he's so small i mean i was like his thigh is like I mean, my arm yeah like my arm <laughs> he like, said really? on
0: oprah one time yeah. years ago that his waist was at 23 inches oh my god
1: i mean it, it's it's shocking when you first didn't <laughs> count it it is actually shocking yeah
0: he's really tiny shocking he's really yeah. small
1: yeah just short and petite mm-hmm. but still just such a strong presence yeah um, from there, the next commercial thing that I really did was working as a choreographer, one of the choreographers for Tina Turner, for Bette Midler, for their stage shows oh, and their tours. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And um, Tony Basil brought me on and we were at the Sony lot and she said... Well, are you available? You know, in the coming months. And I'm like, yeah. She said, okay, it's a big job. I can't tell you what it is, but are you on board? I said, yeah, Tony, I trust you. So she <laughs> can't said, tell you anything, but yeah. do you want to do it. She said, I can't tell you what it is. She said, but I just got the call and it's really big. And I said, okay. I said, I trust you. And then, like maybe a few weeks later, she was like, it's for Tina Turner. We're gonna start. And I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's and huge. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was life changing. Working with Tina Turner was life changing. Just as a woman, the things mm. that she says to you as a woman and as a person and the references for being a woman it's it was just crazy I mean it was just crazy and surreal the first time she walked in the room it was just crazy her voice is so clear and it's just like butter it it is it is loud and booming in terms of when she's singing mm-hmm. and even when she's talking. But we've been rehearsing for a couple of weeks with just the dancers. And every day it was kind of like, OK, Miss Tina might come today. So everybody just be ready. She comes to the door. Mm-hmm. we have Pull to up
0: informed. and pull out. Yeah. And yeah. of course,
1: after a while, you think, oh, she's not coming today, probably next week. And that was the day she came, like right towards the end of rehearsal. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> we held it together. It's Tina. Yeah, and she was just kind of looking and talking. And she knows Tony. They go back years, so they're like girlfriends. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of looking at me and kind of looking me up and down. And not in a nasty way, just kind of looking and assessing, like, who is this this girl, the new girl that you brought mm-hmm. on, you know. And uh, looking at the dancers. Some of them she had worked before, and some of them we hired new, new dancers. So she was kind of looking, just getting a feel. And I couldn't read her. I couldn't tell if she, you know, was feeling me or not feeling me. And, um she walked out of the room after we finished and she was giving instructions about what she wanted, what she liked, what she didn't like, what she wanted to change in terms of choreography. Um, And when she walked out, I just burst into tears. And Tony said, oh, she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I just, I am just just the sheer presence. Overcome. I was overcome. I just, it was just one of those moments, you know, where I just was just touched it was it was just crazy and and uh tony said yeah she said she asked me she said tony where'd that girl learn how to dance like that and i was like amazed and she was like <laughs> i said she she said she likes you i said oh my goodness said, thank god <laughs> <laughs> right so i don't know yeah. what was going on in that mind yeah. and so yeah. that was like the beginning of just really having one of those surreal experiences where you just learn a lot about yourself and just a tidbit with that, you know, she would, she shows us stuff, you know, we would do choreography for the girls, but then there's stuff that, you know, you can't show Tina Turner. I mean, it's Tina Turner. Right. There's some stuff that she just knows. And mm-hmm. she, and so she was showing us different steps and things. And so we were doing, we inco- we incorporated some dance hall, funny enough, into one of the numbers. And I was doing the butterfly and she said, what is that? I said, it's the butterfly. And so she said, well, okay, what, how do you do that? And so I was showing her the <laughs> butterfly and she said, oh, she said, I don't, she said, hmm, I'm going to have to work on that. <laughs> and so she came back the next day and we were getting ready to rehearse that piece. And some of the girls were still trying to figure out how to do the butterfly. Like we were kind of standing there in a circle and I was showing them. She was like, girls, it's it's about your hips. They have to swing yes, back ma'am. and forth. And she started doing the butterfly. And when she said, it's about your hips, I pointed to her and I said, yeah, it is about your hips. And then I looked like you doing the butterfly. Uh-huh. And she, smiled. she looked at me and smiled. She said, I got it. Uh-huh. She, I love and it. And she was doing the butterfly. And I just I just I fell it. out. I just fell out like, Tina Turner's doing the butterfly. Yeah, because like she went home, she went home and was like, I'm
0: going to get this right. thing.
1: And she looked at me like, got it.
0: <laughs> like, all right, what you thought I was playing? I'm Tina Turner, <laughs> boo. I got to get this off. Ain't nobody out here. Yeah, I love it. I love that.
1: So, I love yeah. that. Wow. So that That's been... The commercial side of it for me has been that those kinds of experiences. Being around Stevie Wonder, you know, so it's those kinds of Yeah, it's just those kind of iconic moments that if you asked me as a young girl, what how do you see yourself in the dance world, I would have said, Oh, dancing. Because my dream was to dance with Alvin Ailey. That that was the dream. And then as I started to do different things and ended up touring with a hip hop dance company out of Philadelphia called Rennie Harris Pure Movement. That actually showed me, okay, here's your place in the dance world. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be the classical route or the modern dance route, so you don't have to try and keep fitting a peg into a square. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, your body's not built for that, and unless you change it drastically, you might not get the opportunity that you're waiting for. Mm -hmm. But here's this other opportunity and this world, this hip-hop world, that is tailor-made for you. Mm -hmm. And here it is, and now this is how you're going to see the world doing what you love.
0: Shout out to being open to that shout out to being in tune enough with your own spirit about who you want to show up as in Mm -hmm. this world but at the same time being fluid enough in that image of yourself Mm -hmm. to hear Mm -hmm. like there's something out there that you were missing because wherever wherever you got this idea from because i think a lot of young black dancers especially alvin ailey is like
1: yeah, that was the huge, it's like a yeah. pinnacle of like At your time, career and like, what ooh. that
0: was. And so I think for a lot of people, you can become zeroed in to that goal or mm-hmm. you can have tunnel vision and miss out on a lot of the blessings. Like you don't get to do these amazing things and have these stories with these iconic, legendary artists mm-hmm. who contribute not only to their craft, but to really like the world mm-hmm. um, with their stories and in their gifts you don't get to have those experiences if you kind of turn your back on on that opportunity because it don't look like right. what you thought it was supposed to right. look like. Cause it's never, so never going to
1: look like what life is never going to look like what you thought. It Come was on and like. preach it then. And that's just something <laughs> that, you know, as a young person, I wish people had told me that earlier. And I tell that to young people now. And I mean, we're still, we're young. I'm 36. I'll be 37 at the end of the year. But I tell mm-hmm. people in their like young twenties, teenagers, mm-hmm. life is not going to look the way you thought it was going to be. Not necessarily that you're not going to get to the places that you intended but the way you get there is not gonna look like
0: it you can have your plan and you can okay Mm -hmm. that's cool that's cute however Mm -hmm. keep your eyes open right you know keep your head on the swivel my coach used to say in college keep your head on the swivel Mm -hmm. because you never know what might become of you know just random or what quote-unquote seems to be random Mm -hmm. you know kind of events that unfold in your life but I was a dance major my freshman year in college I didn't know that no I know because I was a fool <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is it was like again one of those things growing up loving to dance and mm-hmm. like you kind of growing up and doing this starting with gymnastics and then kind mm. of moving to dance right no I mm-hmm. didn't do gymnastics Oh, I-, I wanted to <laughs> No, I I, got you. I still can't do a car wheel. Just put that out there.
1: I'll teach you. Right.
0: I, I it, was a, it was a fear thing, which, mm-hmm. another day. But um, so. But I grew up, I started with dance, and my mom knew I was going to be tall, but then mm-hmm. I moved into swimming, and then it was this kind of divided time between swimming and dance, which just required two different kinds of lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, ultimately, it was swimming that got me into college and, and paid for my education and all of that, mm-hmm. but... I say that to say, moving into my freshman year, I just thought, ooh, I love to dance and I really want to do this. But then it was like, do you really want to do this? Like, in real life? Mm -hmm. Like, in what way? Like, you're not going to be a dancer, Mm -hmm. choreographer, teacher. Like, Mm -hmm. where where do you, what do you see yourself doing with this? Mm -hmm. And it was really challenging for me to let go of this idea of like, but I just want to Really, I, just, I think I just want to take a bunch of dance classes. Uh-huh. I, got you. I, got you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I really don't know what I thought. And a part of it, too, was also just being 17 years old and trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life in that moment. Right. Like, who knows? Right. Who knows at 17? Who knows at 57? I don't like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it kind of, similar to what we're saying, evolves and unfolds accordingly. And, you know, it looks like different things along the way and in different seasons. But um, I just knew that I loved it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then, similarly, you know, as I kind of changed my major several times. Mm -hmm. I landed somewhere that I would have never thought that I would have landed. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, as a science major, a biological science major, Mm -hmm. and I hated science. Mm -hmm. But it was supplemental to what I ultimately wanted to do and what I am doing today, and it makes total sense. And now when I get to apply it to my job and my life and the work that I do with my clients, it's like, yeah, that was a necessary, you know, stepping stool for me to get to where I am. But had I not been open to that, or even just aware of, like, thinking bigger picture, mm-hmm. right, with you, especially, you know, I want to be in the dance world, this is my gift, this is my passion, this is what I love, this lane doesn't seem to be fitting in the way mm-hmm. that I thought, but here's this other way. Right. Right, that maybe, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, that maybe you were a little bit apprehensive in the beginning or maybe a little bit resistant because it didn't look like what you thought it was going to look like, or?
1: Well, I wasn't apprehensive, I was relieved because I thought, okay. mm, I'm going to have to change what it is I intended for myself where mm. i thought okay you're not going to be in the classical or modern dance world as a concert dancer uh so that that's not really going to work you know what i mean and so i was discouraged by that so then when i meet rennie harris and i start dancing in the company in philadelphia it was like oh this is perfect i fit right in and it's concert dance it's a concert dance company but it's a hip hop theater concert dance company right. that is successful and he he you know, he was coming off the heels of roman jewels which was like when well, he won all of these awards and princess grace awards and had been all over the world and you know it was a hip-hop adaptation of romeo and juliet that was wildly successful oh, wow and then he was creating a piece a woman well a piece that was driven primarily by women and female dancers because he had an all-male company before that with a few female dancers who uh, were featured, but it was, a, it was known as a male company. Mm. And so, d- working on this new project, he was looking for women with different bra- backgrounds, African, modern, and hip-hop, and whatever else you bring wow. to the table. So it was perfect. Divine and appointment. I, yeah. And... I ended up in the room, but not in the way that I intended, because he ended up being commissioned to do three works with Alvin Ailey, and I went with him. Come on,
0: God, work it out. To assist
1: him, and ended up by the third time I worked with them this past this past year, I was a rehearsal director and actually set the piece on them. So developing a relationship with the company that I have wanted to dance with my whole life, but I am now teaching mm-hmm. the dancers and instructing them. And that was surreal, you know, having dancers like Renee Robinson saying, okay, you know, and, and, um, you know, having them say, can you stay after, can we go over things, or I'm gonna come early tomorrow, and we want to go over some choreography, and it's like, but you're Renee Robinson, like, what, I, I have to teach you, like, I'm still (laughs) in awe that I'm just sitting here with you, and that you're so nice, you know what I mean, and it's just, that, that whole thing. So you never know how you're going to end up in the room. Dreams do come true. I yeah. tell you. And it's like. Keep
0: your eyes on yeah, them. You just got to keep your eyes on them. Yeah.
1: You don't have to focus on the how. Just know what the, the what why, is. Yeah, know what the what, the what is yeah. and what that looks like to you. And the universe provides. The mm-hmm. universe provides the how. Yeah, because if you spend energy trying to figure out how, 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 and you don't have to, because it's not going to look like that anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: And but you, if, more than likely, you can't. Yeah. If if you're dreaming big enough and you're thinking large enough, and you really are intending to fully use your gifts and talents and in mm-hmm. the purpose for which you were designed, mm-hmm. you can't do the how. Even if you do right. figure it out, yeah, you won't be able yeah. to do it on your own. So it's it's one of the things. Where the best thing you can do is relinquish control and let go mm-hmm. and release and be willing mm-hmm. to literally go with the flow. Like, we say that saying, and it's a very kind of cliche thing, but you really do. Like, going with the flow is the best thing. Unfortunately, you can feel like you're being irresponsible mm-hmm. um, on some level. On some level, yeah. For me, especially as a person who like likes to plan and wants to know, and uh-huh. step one, step two, step three... When I have to relinquish control, sometimes it feels like I'm being irresponsible. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be doing this, you should be Mm -hmm. doing that. And I've had to get in the practice of telling myself, like, yes, there are things that I intended to do, but then there are also things that I needed to do. Right. And the things that I need to do will always take priority, and I can wrestle with it and make Mm -hmm. it difficult, or I can, you know, submit to it and end up exactly where I'm supposed to end up, and more importantly, when I'm supposed to end mm-hmm. up there. Because when you talk about the pre- professional dance career, you said earlier, you're 36, going on 37. As a dancer, your career is like, if not over, heading there soon.
1: Well, right. Uh, that, yeah, but that's kind of the old model though. Now you, because now there's so many different ways to manage your body, you have mm-hmm. Pilates, you have all these different ways to take care of your body. Mm-hmm. That part of it, I mean, yes, your body doesn't always do what it used to do, that's for sure. Right. Um, But there's so many other aspects to art that come along with living. So the more Mm -hmm. living that you do, the more that you understand yourself spiritually and physically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may not have the stretch or the flexibility or the strength in the same way. Your leg may not go up as high, but the storytelling that you have in your body and what's coming from your soul in a very authentic way it's far superior to being able to kick your leg to your face. You know, see? and that's what touches people. People feel that, yeah. you know, that's warmth. When people come and see you on stage or see you in a room and they're dancing and they feel the warmth, it's because it's coming from a real place. And, you know, sometimes you can go and watch people who are technically proficient and they're beautiful, but it's icy. You don't feel yeah. anything when you watch them. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's very technical. Everything is just, we call them technicians in the dance world. It's like you, you can do everything. You can do five turns. You can lift your leg. You can develop. You can do all of that, but you're not feeling anything mm-hmm. and you're not communi- communicating anything to your audience and that's what people come for people come they're attracted to art because they feel something right. they walk away with an experience and they walk away knowing themselves better and so when people don't have that experience I don't think that they really understand what art is and its purpose because the people who are really ingrained in art is their church you know, dance is, dance is my, my church, my life force. Yes. It is what drives me. When I dance, I don't think about anything else. When I dance, it is just, it's cleansing, it's healing, it's therapeutic. It is, you know, I've danced through so many different emotions and experiences in life whether it's death, whether it's loss, whether it's happiness, whether it's success, whether it's not knowing, whether it's insecurity, whether it's knowing. But I've danced through all of those things and, you know, it, it has saved my life. Mm-hmm. It has saved my life and made my life. And it's, it's not wholly who I am, but it's a huge part of who I am. And so it never lets me down. You know, you put your energy into external things sometimes that will let you down, whether it's people or relationships or jobs. But dance is something, what you put into it, you will get out of it. And it, it has never let me down. And that's the part that is so important and genuine and sacred to me, is that I have that relationship, that I'm always there for it. It's always there for me. And it does what I need it to do, even when I didn't know what I needed. And I didn't go to school for dance. I went. To, I studied in sociology and did a specialization in communications, and I went to UCLA, and I knew I didn't want to major in dance because I had been around dance my whole life, and I knew you didn't need to go to I'm school for it. i yeah. You know... When people say, do you think that you use your degree in terms of what you do? I said, absolutely. Because just knowing people, dealing with people, studying people, communities of people as an artist, um, it is very important. It's very important and it's shaped who I am as a choreographer and as a dancer and as an artist, just being able to understand how communities function and their behaviors on a a micro and macro level and um, just looking at the world and how to reflect those images and behaviors in my choreography and in my art and how I'm communicating with an audience. So I do think that I use it. Um, And dancers and artists are very intellectual. So, you know, you can go to school and not study dance but it absolutely ties into what you do and how you navigate through your art.
0: Absolutely. So, 100%. I, yeah. would, I would 100% agree with that. I think art is absolutely always going to be a manner of expression of what is happening in the world mm-hmm. currently. So sociology totally makes sense in terms of being able to inform your art mm-hmm. and the way you choreograph and the way you express it through your own movement and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it's interesting because... Even in the moment of your father asking you, like, well, what do you think you're going to do with it? Maybe you can't articulate at that moment. Well, duh, Dad, I'm going to use, you know, right. sociology, how it's going to, whatever. <laughs> but it eventually kind of speaks again to this this concept or this theory of, like, the universe making room for your gifts and making sure mm-hmm. that everything is by divine appointment and nothing is for nothing. Mm-hmm. It'll all come together according to what it is you are divinely appointed to do. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just such a beautiful thing to have that confirmed in so many different ways. But I also hear a common thread in your story that is saying you've been so clear maybe knowingly or or unknowingly about who you are that even when people close to you such as your dad whom I know you're close to mm-hmm. um, may have a differing opinion you are able to be securely rooted in the decisions that you make that say I'm not going to allow this to sway me or deter me from doing what it is I feel drawn to do mm-hmm. which to be successful if we're going to define it um, or, or however you define it mm-hmm. Um, requires that because it just there's going to be naysayers it's going to be opposition there's going to be resistance there's going to be uncertainty there's Mm going to be all of these things that could threaten your position in your direction Mm -hmm. but there's a certain amount of clarity and conviction in who you are that's going to always call you back to those things that are guiding you to exactly where you're supposed to go Mm -hmm. so that's that all of these things are like huge life lessons that I think we don't get to miss in the fabric of your story and everything that you're saying because those are like I'm such a conceptual learner Mm -hmm. or like a principal person like Mm -hmm. beyond the details of what you're saying Mm because other the details of Nina's story Mm -hmm. but the bigger ticket items that we can all take and apply is like this kind of self-assuredness that is like no I'm pretty clear this is about what I want to do
1: yeah and it's not always the clarity about what is. It's sometimes the, the, sometimes the clarity about what isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it in that moment, it was, I know that busycon isn't for me, and I'm unhappy Ooh. studying this. So it's not so much that I can clearly see where sociology is getting ready to take me and how it's going to fit into my future and my life. But it's like, I know what... It's not. And right. it's not what I'm doing right now because I am very unhappy Something doing got to and not inspired. And, yeah. you know, people come from a different place. You know, of, of course my father wasn't coming from a place of negativity. He was coming from a place of protection. I get it. I get where my dad was coming from. And, you know, I, I really think. I'm thankful for both of my parents. And, you know, my dad paid for the majority of my education. Mm-hmm. So that was another thing. He was like, you know, I'm putting, I'm putting up this money. I'm putting these you know, coins right? up, girl. What like, we doing? <laughs> what you doing with this? You know what I mean? So it was one of right. those two, like, okay. Right, you know. I hear you.
0: But you know what I also think about frequently as an entrepreneur, and then you also as someone who works for yourself, kind of freelance choreography and things like that, is that we are the first generation that makes this the norm.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: working for self is, we are the first generation that make this, like, this is what we do. Right. And then the the people coming up, like the millennials who are coming up under us, they have a whole other set of, uh,
1: they do. you know,
0: with the internet and YouTube stars mm-hmm. and, and these people who just become famous for being famous and, you know, all of these things, mm-hmm. they have a whole new way. But I think in a lot of ways, our generation, the, the mid-30s and, you know, that kind of age range, mm-hmm. we kind of... We're straddling that line of like, our parents really come from a generation for the most part of like, you get this job, you work this job, this is what you do, you exactly. retire, that's the end, and exactly. you work for this company all your life, they give you a go watch, and you get your 401k, and mm-hmm. bye. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, that was kind of the thing. And in their mind... Um, to some degree, there was some safety in a career or whatever because this was before the tech age where Mm -hmm. a computer could take your job tomorrow and you'd be out here looking dumb. So we understand that security as it was maybe a generation ago, 20, 30 years ago, is not the same. But the opportunity to work for self and all that is a huge thing Mm -hmm. that we kind of largely in our generation really stepped out to do.
1: As a freelance choreographer and artist, you really... The formula has changed. For As it, sure. To say you're a dancer now, you could, you know, 20 years ago, join a dance company and dance with that company for 10, 15 years, and that be your career. Mm-hmm. That is an obsolete formula now. There is no... Because companies aren't st- stable in the way that they used to be dance companies, And the industry is different. So now as a dancer... People aren't consuming art the same way. Yeah, they're not. Especially after the recession hit. That changed the game a lot in terms of people spending their money to go see shows and what they were supporting and how they were supporting the Mm -hmm. arts. That all changed. But now you have to actually build and make your career if you are a dancer. That means a little bit of dancing. That may mean a little bit of choreography. A little bit of teaching or a lot of teaching because that's like where your stability comes from. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, oh, you're doing these jobs and you just... Are going from job to job. It's like no, the the really the stability comes from teaching, teaching at studios, teaching in mm-hmm. programs, and that consistency. And then on top of that, doing these amazing, great jobs that come up here and there. Right. You know what I mean. And so that's uh, kind of how you piece it together. And then this being the first generation, you know, in the last decade of dancers who have the ability, dancers historians and educators who have the ability to teach hip hop in an academy setting. That's a whole other thing that you know what's happening right now where now you have you know USC the Gloria Kaufman school you can actually Pursue a hip-hop major. You have hip-hop being implemented into these curriculum. Dope. Yeah, my friends are teaching. I also, didn't know that. Like, you can
0: major in hip-hop. You can major in Shut hip-hop. Shut up. Because, come on. Yes, yeah,
1: so everybody is taking the lead. I mean, UCLA That's was implementing dope. hip-hop, you know, years ago. They brought Rennie Harrison. And I've taught mm-hmm. um, hip-hop at UCLA in their World Arts and Cultures department. But now, Cal Arts is implementing hip-hop. I'm getting ready to start teaching there next year. Wow. Um be on faculty. And I just came back from Connecticut College, who is now introducing hip-hop into their dance department so now people are seeing that it's here to stay and it mm-hmm. is it's been here long enough that it can be taught in an academy setting and an institution set an institution setting and that it also has an intellectual aspect to yeah, it with the history and, that and it's the, the culture, culture. yeah Absolutely. it's a culture it's not Absolutely. just the dance Absolutely. so that is a whole other thing that now you can have that as a piece of so me cool. being a dancer now I'm going to pursue this and I'm going to go about this and now there's another option of down the line I may be an educator in an academy setting setting at a college or university teaching hip-hop dance.
0: That is... Understand, like, as a hip-hop generation child or person mm-hmm. who who came up and grew up with hip-hop who has always gone to bat for hip-hop culture hip-hop mm-hmm. music rap music have always just been an advocate even times when I didn't want to have to stand up for it because some of y'all be out here saying some nonsense mm-hmm. yeah. but I just feel like as a culture there's a place for all of it even if I don't get it, it don't make sense to me somebody out there needed to hear or experience or whatever right. it did and I'm always going to bat for hip-hop and there were times when it made me like it's frustrating, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's. I, I so appreciate hearing that. And it's not to say that we need larger institutions to validate us or whatever, but it's great to be acknowledged and recognized yes. because there was a time when hip-hop first began where they kind of wrote it off as this passing fade mm-hmm. or fad that wouldn't be around long. And then they tried to, you know, brutalize it by, oh, you guys were this and that and talking bad about, the you know artists who would contribute to the the culture mm-hmm. and and there are some pieces that I said like I said were very difficult to defend because of the elements misogyny or whatever other things mm-hmm. but at the end of the day like it is a culture and it's reflective Absolutely. of a people of a time of an experience it. of a story and we don't get to invalidate or minimize or isolate those stories and those expressions because they may not meet our standards of what is acceptable or what we're comfortable with or what we are familiar with. Like Mm -hmm. we don't get to do that to these people who are expressing wherever it is they are in their lives and however that shows up, however that feels, however they experience it and then how they ultimately wish to share that Mm -hmm. with us. And so I'm so excited to hear that it will be available um, in that way, in that platform because that That's a part of it that's a part of like I always think about how do we intellectualize some of these things that maybe people are rejecting mostly because they don't understand it exactly it's really that's it's, really it's out what of it ignorance. boils down to It's absolutely it's out, out of ignorance. ignorance and it's and it becomes our responsibility as people who do live in it, know it, understand it um to welcome them in mm-hmm. not again, not because we need their acceptance, but because as human beings, a part of we are relational beings, and a part of that is. We do get to show each other ourselves Mm -hmm. and learn more about ourselves from each other. Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: And that means um, a willingness to be open to your experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a huge part of what college is. You know, people come from all different parts of the country and sometimes the world, depending on what school you go to. And um, that's a huge part of how you prepare for whatever comes next after college is that you experience other cultures, other people, other paths that come together in this one place and share in that way and because of this common interest or mm-hmm. or or just an open opportunity so that is super yeah. super super like i'm so glad happy to hear that yeah, that's yeah, super yeah. dope yeah i'm hype about that
1: yeah it, it's 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 been an amazing thing and it's you know because hip-hop has touched the entire world yeah. continues to touch yes. and the entire world so, everything and not you know.
0: just and we talked about earlier it's not just a music a style of music no. or a style of dance everything. it's showing up in our fashion it's yeah. showing up in our language food, in our language it's mm-hmm. showing everywhere yeah so, and, like, we don't get to ignore that. Yeah. We're sports. Everything.
1: Yeah, everybody knows the music. But even, you know, encountering students and, and having these experiences at these schools and these universities and colleges, you know, you have students who are familiar with the music but have no idea about the culture, had no idea where history. it started. Didn't know it was a culture that's the biggest thing the mm-hmm. student's saying I had no idea it was a culture I listened to rap music I right. listened to hip hop music I had no idea that it had elements I didn't know about graffiti art I didn't know about the DJ the MC right. I didn't know about breaking I didn't know when hip hop started or where it started or you know what I mean who it started yeah, any, any so of that that part is shocking when you know I come into class the first day and say okay do you guys know when hip hop started and some people some people said slavery and I say well in a sense <laughs> <was> like, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. everything you know has its roots Everybody, to Africa Coming, right, right, coming right. Through. I said, but, you no, know, the actual culture and how it developed, and, you know, talking about the 1970s, 1980s, mm-hmm. and people are like, oh, I didn't know it was that old. Some people said, I didn't know it was that I new, and I'm like, you know where? They're like, no, I'm like, Bronx, New York. They're like, okay, I didn't know that. I thought it was just like,
0: you it, know, didn't it, yeah, just
1: it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. Came, out of, came out of the clouds, <laughs> nowhere. Some people said, I thought it came out of Atlanta, and I thought... You know, oh so wow just, yeah so just hearing it it's like you can't fault them because they didn't know and a lot of them are coming from places where they may not have even experienced being around black people or having a personal relationship mm-hmm. with black people so even that as a learning tool and a cultural tool you know just I was in Connecticut and a lot of the students were, were very privileged and so just to have close interaction with a black person on a day to day basis and seeing what that looks like and seeing my hair and seeing you know it wasn't a thing where it was like you know being at the petting zoo but it was a thing where i saw them just curious <laughs> mm-hmm. in a respectful way and saying okay i see her talking about this thing that she loves i see her dancing i see her moving looking at my body and just learning a lot about you know okay this black person doesn't look like what i see when i turn on vh one yeah you know what i mean that's huge a lot of people i have somebody tell me a very good friend of mine who was who uh um She's been in. She's been in the United States. I think she, since she was fourteen. She told me she learned about the, the majority of what she knows about black people from watching *Medea* plays on on Jesus, video. Jesus, That Jesus. was so scary to me. Oh my goodness! That was so incredibly scary. That is to me.
0: incredibly scary.
1: And she just thought she didn't see any issue with it. She said, "Yeah, I that's how I learned about black people." And I thought, Ooh, "Wow, that is crazy." Help us,
0: help us! And you know what? I have to remind myself of that. Sometimes I travel abroad a lot. A lot of times to European countries especially and um I remember at first it would be annoying because what are you staring at like uh-huh. I get the stares here at home because I'm tall and there are things that I do with my fashion and my hair that make people go what is happening here so I get that <laughs> but like it's another thing and maybe it's uh-huh. me taking it personally when it's a bunch of white folks staring at you and right. you're like mm. mm-hmm what are mm-hmm. you looking at for yeah. real? Yeah. And having to remember, like, no, this really might be the first time that they've ever seen a black person up close and personal. And uh-huh. for all intents and purposes, because if your reference point is Medea, I don't look like what you thought it was supposed right. to look like, and you right. now you confused about everything because this right. is my whole life a lie because <laughs> this ain't close to what I thought it was about to be, and now I don't understand. Right.
1: Medea or Jerry Springer, yeah, you know, they or whatever. Why play. Yeah. play in London? The Man. Jerry Springer play in London about Jerry Springer, which so is that's a what people you know, are that was crazy. It's like that, and that was wildly <coughs> popular. So it's like if you're watching Maury and Jerry Springer and Medea plays, and you're help thinking us, Lord, help that's us. what black people are, you know, no wonder you have a certain. idea. And it doesn't excuse any behavior. No, it doesn't. But when you're talking about traveling abroad, it very, it, it really affects your experience, mm-hmm. and you think it's racism. You know, I, I remember because of the context of being think, here yeah, in America, you just think, right. "Oh, it's racist here." And I, right. I remember someone I was telling somebody an experience I had in Sweden. And they were saying, no, that's not race. It's more classism. I said, no, this was, this was racism. And they were like, no, nah, it's more classism. And we started having the conversation about just those dynamics and what mm-hmm. happens when we travel and seeing black Americans, which are perceived in a very different way very than whatever different. the black community is in that particular place. Mm-hmm. So it, there's, a, there's just a lot that goes along with that. Which is
0: generally more African, too, exactly. in, in European countries. Exactly. These are people who are coming straight From African countries as Mm -hmm. well, so that's a whole different dynamic, too, in terms of culture and whatever we're looking like, sounding like, bringing Uh to the table. So Uh there's all these dynamics, but I want to touch back a little bit on, you talked about hip-hop culture, and I want to kind of tie in the conversation we were having earlier Mm -hmm. where it's like for people who listen to rap music Mm -hmm. who don't understand that it is a part of a larger culture. And that um, the art of you know break dancing or mm-hmm. graffiti art or mm-hmm. DJing and all those things like is very much encompassed in that and MCing and all that and people don't know that there's a difference you know mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. the two like mm-hmm. an MC and a rapper mm-hmm. or and mm-hmm. they're like well what is mm-hmm. what does this mean like mm-hmm. and like yeah and so Nina and I were talking before we kind of got started here about the club scene and going out <laughs> and I was sharing with her that like. I I don't because I grew up with hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. The whole of hip hop culture, not just mm-hmm. rap music, but the whole music, but the whole of hip hop culture. I really have a thing. I'm really like kind of snobby about DJs. Yes. And I'm like, no. Nah. You're going to mix, you're going to scratch, right. you're going to blend, you're going to something, something, right. something, DJ. You're not going
1: to show up Don't just show up and play.
0: You're not going to a as a hip-hop connoisseur, <laughs> <laughs> and just music in general, like, I got the tunes in my eyes. Right. If I just want to go through and shuffle through some things right. and hear a beat and just, because then I got a whole wall that's a mirror. So if I just want right. to shake my ass and listen to some music, <laughs> I got that here.
1: Done.
0: So... <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. if I'm coming out, it's to you know share this experience with other people who appreciate the culture. And part of that is if you calling yourself a DJ, mm-hmm. then I need you to be up on that. And yeah. and largely, I think some of the newer DJs, especially, and some of these older DJs, I'm not gonna call no names, but some of these older DJs who've been around and y'all know what's up, mm-hmm. you you plan. Mm-hmm. But some of these new, newer DJs, I have to believe that part of it is. They don't know. They don't. And so they, all they know is whatever they've learned, that they maybe like it or whatever. And so they do get the software and they do whatever they're going to do. And a lot of times it just sounds like they skipping through their iTunes mm-hmm. The same way I would at home. like, okay, I'm about to do this Jay-Z set mm-hmm. and I'm going to just skip through all my Jay-Z albums. Right. Next. Right. And I'm like, my little two-step got thrown off. You don't care that this whole hundred of people at this party was doing one thing and you just switched the song in the middle of the thing. And the famous verse was coming up and you didn't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everybody had the deep breath ready to hit the verse <laughs> and cut what that's rude as hell so like you know just all of those things and like how that even permeates beyond like the culture your social experience uh, yeah which obviously your you know your culture is going to impact largely so it is so much bigger than mm-hmm. um i think what people expected it to be or mm-hmm. when i say people i think people who were not attached to right. it right um because i think you know, I I do remember.
1: Or even people attached my to, first, it, to them. too, though. My first, yeah. Because people attached to it now, when you talk to people and the pioneers, and they said we had no idea it was going to be this big. We didn't know. We were just doing what we love. We had no in idea telling our it was going to explode on a global level and be yeah. what it is now and still be around. We were just... Doing us and living mm-hmm. so even some people attached to it had no idea that this is what it would turn into yeah, it's you know? amazing
0: yeah. it's amazing because I, I, a lot of my fondest memories are attached to some hip-hop experience. Even now it's funny because like my some of my friends that I've you know gotten in my older adult life. Like, a song will come on, and I'll just blurt out a year. Ooh, 1996. Mm-hmm. And they like, mm-hmm. why do you do that? Mm-hmm. Because it takes me back to a very specific time and yep. era and moment even sometimes mm-hmm. that I can attach a memory to this song right. or right. this album or this right. era of music. Like, you yeah. spoke earlier about the New Jack Swing era of music mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that. It's like... I will do that yes. immediately. I'll be like, ooh,
1: 99
0: yes. <laughs> freshman year of college, it's a, it's or, you a know, I'll just, it'll do life. that. It absolutely it's a is a soundtrack. For your life. It absolutely is. It's attached is. to
1: those memories and experiences and things that you hold, you know, dear to your heart. It's associated with the music and what was happening at the time and a feeling, and, a, you know, and that's why, you know, a, a, a real DJ understands the people and understands yeah. the pulse of the people in the room, in the building, mm-hmm. and they know what to play next. and you know when you hear DJ speak about knowing exactly what's going to push the crowd to the edge, and then right before you bring them back down, and then right—you know—it's a relationship, and mm-hmm. and, it's, and there's textures and dynamics to DJing. It's not just about playing what you intended and what you like to hear. It's actually looking, engaging, and feeling the crowd. You know, and, and knowing what that is, and that's why, you know, we're touched, and we were touched by music when we went out, and it made us feel a certain way. You know, but now the intention is different. The intention, you know, if you go out, it may not be to necessarily dance or communicate with another person. Now it might be just to twerk or to talk to somebody or to Snapchat or to, you know. <gasps> and, uh, <laughs> and so that's another thing. And
0: so when you speak about a DJ communicating and having a relationship with the crowd, that's hard to do when everybody in the crowd is Snapchatting. Right. So, so like, we also talked that. about that earlier. Like, okay. that's another thing that, I don't know, being a 30-something whatever, I I ain't rolling.
1: Yeah,
0: I ain't come out here to see you make love to your phone screen. (laughs) Like, what is going on here?
1: Yeah,
0: fully making love. (laughs) I'm talking about all the smoochy faces and body rolls and like, girl, what? Hello. And then a turn to look at a dude who want to dance up on you, be like, ugh.
1: (laughs) Oh, nigga, you what?
0: What? (laughs) Like, what is going on? what is happening help me understand did you come out here to do this with your cell phone because doesn't your cell phone go home with you can right. you do that like I don't get it it's not as fun you want to make love into your phone in public
1: yeah I mean it's
0: like what is happening
1: it's you know it's instead of living the moment it's like always trying to capture, capture the, the moment,
0: moment. And it's, it's true. Like,
1: that's not I mean I get I get it I get you want to have memories and you want to take a picture of things you want to have and now that you have the ability to do that through technology but then there's something about capturing and actually exercising and flexing Your mind and that muscle to be able to have a memory and remember something. And maybe you don't remember all the details, maybe you don't remember exactly what those images are 20 years down the line, and you don't have a picture for it. But those are the stories that you tell, and storytelling is very much a part of our culture. You know, coming out of African culture that is mm-hmm. kind of dying a little bit because now everything is, let me show you a picture. Oh, I did this uh, wait, let me let me show you on my phone. Or I have a video of this and there's no imagination. You know, you had to tell somebody a story before and tell them when you went out and how something looked and what you had on and what you were listening to what the DJ played and that person could sit and imagine and then they had a, a picture in their mind and then they tied it to something they experienced. Now it's just everything is right there. You don't have to use your imagination. Manufactured, no, you just, here yeah. it is, it's on Instagram It's a, I took a picture, I took a picture of the crowd here it is I hear the music you know what I mean so it's it's changed how we socialize with each other it's changed our social behavior it's changed how much we have to use our minds and I don't we wonder don't. we don't know yeah. we
0: don't can there's, you just not yeah. google it if I ask you a question can you not google it right there's no mystery can I you not Wikipedia there's if no I say mystery. well how old is oh I don't know let me check mm-hmm. like Oh, yeah. can we just ponder for a moment, pause, yeah. I don't know, sit in, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe look can figure it out, maybe mm-hmm. relative to, okay, this is what I was doing at that time and I remember this happened, and, okay, so maybe it was around 2003, like, right. can we do that? Yeah. I don't want to be like, I don't know, check on my phone.
1: Yeah, like, everything is instant. Oh, you know, I hate is, it. Everything instant and it's, it. the idea of process doesn't exist with these generations that are coming up and in terms of that tying into art... They don't want to do the work. Students don't want to do the work that's required to get from A to B. They just want B. Everything is so instant because it's at the touch of their fingers. So the morale of the young artist and young dancer is different. You know, yeah. we, we fought for everything we were coming up in dancing you know, we meaning to what you wanted for yourself and how you wanted yourself to look at Mm -hmm. the skill level. You Mm -hmm. really fought for that. Like, I want my feet to be better. I got to work my feet. I got to stretch my feet every day. I have to work on this. I want my legs to be higher. I want this to be different. I want my body to look this way. You had to, like, grind and sweat and burn for that and spend Mm -hmm. time doing it. Now that idea is, like... Lost. Yeah. And
0: we spoke also about how we consume art now, and a large part of it, is via the internet Mm -hmm. which means i can cut this and edit this and chop this Mm -hmm. and change the angle and
1: And filter
0: filter and and all of these things Mm -hmm. and so maybe i look my reel is banging you know Mm -hmm. way better than what's gonna happen when i walk in this room and you see what's actually happening with this body and with this skill and with this foot and everything Mm -hmm. else you know what i mean so that all kind of plays into it and i It just, it always kind of blows me away when I, when I'm out and Mm -hmm. about. And again, like I said, kind of straddling that line of like the generation of people who come from all the work that you spoke of. Mm -hmm. But then also being very familiar as a mentor, but then even just being young enough to be on the cusp of like living in this instant gratification, you know, having gotten a cell phone when I was still very young. Uh And so kind of being... You know, like, obviously cell phones weren't doing all the things they do now. Mm -hmm. I actually just saw this meme that just popped into my head. It was like, your cell phone replaced your calendar, your alarm clock, and your camera. But don't let it replace the people in your life. Mm -hmm. And attached to that meme was a photo of people sitting around the table all looking at their cell phones. Mm -hmm. Which is one of my least favorite things in the whole entire world.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Like, I can't stand to see, particularly who I presume to usually be a couple on a date. When they're, you know, sitting across from each other and they have
1: their phones. phones.
0: And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is the point exactly? (laughs) Why are you here together then?
1: Because
0: take this to go.
1: And it's addictive. I mean, technology, it <laughs> it is, is. It's, you can become addicted to technology, but you have to fight that urge. And the more you fight yeah. the urge, then it becomes like, okay, I don't need to be on my phone at dinner. I don't need to be on my phone right now. I don't need to constantly be checking social media. But I, I understand mm-hmm. how people become addicted to their phones. Is it like a self-importance? Like you know, you didn't know hear it go off, so why are you checking I, for the message? But I why think it's you, that thing of what we were speaking about earlier before we started recording—is that fear of missing out. Yeah, for that, sure. You know that, that it, moment. I got to check Instagram and see what other people are doing, and that also that comparison, which is so dangerous, comparing your life to Ooh. what people are presenting on social media, because a lot of the times they're only presenting the highlights. Of, Most of, what of the time, the, yeah, and so you get this false idea that everyone's life is so fantastic and pristine. And you start questioning your own identity and what your own life is, and it just—it's it's a spiraling effect. It's a spiraling effect, and not to you know speak negatively about social media because there are also some very positive aspects Absolutely. to it and what it gives you access to and being able to communicate on a global level and using the platform for social justice and things of that nature. But there are some things that come along with it that are just very dangerous, and they're changing who we are and how we socialize and our behavior as a people. Yeah. And, um, that we
0: have to be careful of, but even yeah. the other thing, and just not to even take it too far off of what we're already talking about, but the other thing that it's really changing, having, you know, owning the gym and working in the fitness industry is how people's bodies are functioning. And mm. you're spending a lot of time with your neck down, looking at the computer oh, screen or looking at the phone. Yeah. yeah. It's affecting mm-hmm. people's posture mm-hmm. or their core strength and, all of those things, and I was reading this study a while ago that was saying something to the effect of, like, you know, in 20 years, how we're going to start to see the medical, um, uh-huh. yeah, like the, the trends in, me- in medical emergencies and things like that mm-hmm. shifting more into spinal injuries and things like that because mm-hmm. of constantly looking down at the screen or the yes. computer, whether it's computer or phone or tablet or whatever the thing yeah. is, how that's going to really sh- change our physical being and mm-hmm. then the thumbs and all the texting and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And I don't think we ever really realize that we don't think about those things. Because yeah, was- I'm thinking now I've already had a cell phone for 20 years
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm only in my 30s. And so when you're talking about a kid who was born in the 1990s or the early 2000s or whatever, who has I see my friends who have small children, two or three and four years mm-hmm. old, Who are so comfortable with iPads. They pull them out. They swipe. They know the code. They find their game. They play the game. Mm -hmm. And it's like they're. It's second nature to them. Mm -hmm. And it blows my mind every time. I say to my goddaughter all the time. And they're like. We take a picture. And they're like. Can I see it? And I'm like. No. Right. Because when I was your age, I had to wait seven days. Yeah. Got to get this picture developed. Well, and it's probably going to be a <laughs> thumbprint on it. And that's just what it's about to be. And you're going to have to wait. And there's no filter. And there's no delete and take it over. There's right. no crop. There's no none of that. That's it. You get them scissors if you want to crop somebody <laughs> out. <laughs> that's just what you're going to do. You can cut somebody however you want to do it. But, you know, all of those things and stuff, they just don't have. Somebody even said the other day, like, kids these days are not going to know the joy of hanging up in somebody's face. Mm-mm. Cause I'm gonna get ready, slam Mm-mm. this phone down. Right. I don't want to talk to you no more. I miss that, and I need I you to. And I need face. you to know, like this conversation is
1: what I mean, over that heavy phone. Call. I, like I need that sound, and I need line.
0: that dial tone to come right. on through. Like I need mm-hmm. you to know, I'm gone. Yeah, this line is I dead. I need that
1: every now and then.
0: And that we don't have that. They don't. It ain't that. the same. when it's like,
1: dude, no or just nothing they <laughs> or, or just nothing dropped.
0: and they thinking hello hello hello. can't be rude with
1: hello?
0: That shit. No. Yeah. You,
1: know you need to be extra rude right I, need <laughs> like, oh, I
0: need to slam this phone down right now that receiver slam immediately like I'm gonna need to slam this thing down and that down. little
1: tone that if you slam the phone so hard it's like mm. right it's like and then eventually it, like, the ring, hit the ring and if you sit
0: like, on it too long that operator gonna <laughs> come on there like like what basically like right. what do you think you do? <laughs> she gone <laughs>
1: I'm gonna need you to be embarrassed. I have to hear that.
0: They're not gonna know the joy of that. Like, what is this? I'm not gonna make an announcement. I'm about to unfollow you. Like,
1: niggas be like,
0: bye. Like, I don't care about that. Go on and block me while you at it. Like, I don't care about none of that. So it's just, it's just a different time and it just affects all of that. But I remember your yeah. mom, speaking of just technology and everything, I remember <laughs> this was a funny day because we were talking. And like she tends to do she's dropping jewels, and she started to talk about um technology and texting, and she was saying, like you know that little yellow smiley face you are seeing when you say l o l did you really laugh out loud? did you really have mm-hmm. a moment of jovial expression <laughs> right. you know what I mean like did that really happen, or are you just typing something because it's appropriate or right. whatever, and just talking about how we don't get to allow our you know socializing our environment, and our environment and the way we socialize now to impact our art and the way we truly express the authentic selves, the core of who we are, mm-hmm. and tell our stories through whatever our particular art form is. Of course, in, in that sense, we're talking about dance and mm-hmm. just kind of going in on that. But it was funny because in the midst of her telling this story, it just was hitting home for me because, again, I mentor so many young girls and I wanted to be able to share this sentiment with them and just in her words because she just is usually very eloquent always. And so without even realizing what it might look like, as she was talking, I ran to get my phone Ah. to record what she was saying Like in my phone, right? So now it looks like, as she's telling this story about texting and emojis and all this, it looks like I went to the phone to like, okay, while she's talking, we on this dance break, let me go text, Mm -hmm. right? And she just politely paused and she said, are you texting? And I said, oh, no, no. (laughs) Because... First of all, how rude, Mm -hmm. and second of all, how ironic that (laughs) in the midst of this, you would think, here's a perfect time to go and text someone. And I thought, oh no, I'm recording what you're saying. I wanted to write it down because, you know, I needed to say, but it was just so funny and I didn't even realize, (laughs) A, what it looked like, but B, the irony of like, in fact, I'm so attached to this idea of like capturing the moment that Mm -hmm. I couldn't just appreciate what she was saying. I felt like I had to record it and get it down and have it and all these things. And it was just like, oh man. Dang, I
1: thought, yeah. I, was, I thought I escaped, but I didn't. I'm sucked into this yeah. life. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's ingrained in us now. Technology is ingrained in us. And yeah. I mean, you—you, you, out of consideration, if you are, were raised a certain way, of course, if you're sitting, you know, sometimes I go into meetings and I'm taking notes on my phone, and I say, I'm taking notes on my phone. Right. I don't want you to think that I'm texting right. or I'm just, doing something yeah, else while exactly. we're talking. I'm actually taking notes, you know, if I don't have my iPad or something with me. But, you know, it, it is, it, it's just a trip. It's an overall trip. Because we kind of, not kind of, we're straddling both worlds. We Mm -hmm. have a little bit of that, you know, pre-technology life. And now we're in the midst of this thing and not knowing where it's going to go. But, you know, these generations that don't have that straddle and only, you know, we're born into it. They don't understand, you know, what that duality is. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you're torn. You're torn between technology and,
0: And you know, it's connection and interaction and
1: real connection and just talking. Because, I mean, there was a time I got into just texting and if someone called you, it was like, was well, something wrong? You right. Know, like you saw the phone what do you ring. Need? It was like, what do you need? What's happening? Right. Like, what? like, Girl, are you okay? You called me. You know, like. <laughs> what is happening? What right. is going on? I've called people back and left a voicemail like, are you okay? I saw you called earlier. <laughs> and I'm like, I called you. Like, remember a phone call? I'm like, oh, okay. yeah, no, Remember, remember phone calls? Yeah. So it's, it's It's funny. That's hilarious. It's funny. It's like it's something wrong. You get you you know just. And I used to love to talk on the phone. Right. I used to love to just dial. You know, you had to memorize people's phone numbers. Yeah, I still
0: remember phone numbers from my friends back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I don't know near your phone number now. I know my mama number, my daddy number, my sister number. Yeah. Everybody else, you gonna get this one touch dial. Click on your name. It's
1: that. that, Those (laughs) days are over with, which is sad. You know it is. But you know, I guess every generation. As you look, you say, "Oh, this next generation is doomed," or they don't know nothing about nothing. You know that's just part of the jaded part right. of getting older, <laughs> right? Because right. you because you are a little jaded, you know what I mean. And you, you are. when you were young, you looked at your parents' generation, you were like, "Oh, they just old." I,
0: I'm and never gonna and be, and be like that. I'm yeah. always going. You yeah. your
1: grandparents, you know, <laughs> would be talking about stuff, and you're like, "Oh, they don't know. They're just old and jaded." <laughs> You know, but now it's like we are talking about like oh, we went to the club, people were Snapchatting and right. shit. Right? Nothing they can't DJ. It's crazy. Why? We up here like Grandma Gripple sitting here going exactly. back and forth.
0: That's like, exactly what I we're can't doing. Take it. That is hilarious. <laughs> and we were talking about that like maybe I'm the old girl in the club. Like we remember being in college and you know fresh out of college mm-hmm. and looking like oh that's the woman right. she grown.
1: They in their thirties. They grown, grown in they, the club. They need they late thirties. Yeah, like they low
0: key like they they need to. <laughs> You know, get a life type of thing, and so now I'm like, now I'm in the 30s, right. and I'm in the club going like, these kids don't know whatever, and they looking at me like, she old,
1: right? You the you the lady at the club now. We the ladies at the club. I'm like, the only
0: one not Snapchatting. Well, right? She, she old. She probably got a flip phone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She
0: probably had a flip phone with the green screen. Let me pull out my She page probably here. pushing every button seven times to text somebody. Like, do-do-do. Do-do-do. That's just okay. Like, nigga, you just pushed a thousand buttons to say okay. Get out of here. I forgot about that. <laughs> like, you know. You know we used to be taking all day. When I get quick with it, you talking about something thumb hurting. Oh, man. Because I used to type quick. My dad used to be like, How do you respond so quickly. <laughs> she, I'm on it.
1: Oh wee. oh wee. <laughs> These kids they
0: don't, they don't know. They
1: don't. Now know Now they just got
0: a thumbs up emoji, and that just mean everything. Right. I got right. to push seventeen buttons to tell you I'm on my way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be able to embrace it. I'm happy to mm-hmm. be able to say that I did live prior to because I do know I couldn't have been seventeen and with a Facebook and a Snapchat and an Instagram oh, and everything else. No, I, no, I couldn't. No. My I parents couldn't,
1: wouldn't even have that. That's yeah. crazy. They, wouldn't, they wouldn't have allowed that
0: yeah i think so I, you know what i think so too because when i first got the internet when i first got the internet it, the computer was in the living room mm-hmm. so it ain't no secret searching on i know exactly what you're looking at i'm mm-hmm. about to be over your shoulder half the time mm-hmm. and you're about to get up off this internet because you're not gonna tie up my right. phone line yeah. with the dial up to <laughs> making all that noise <laughs> And then you sign up my phone. So get on there, do what you mm-hmm. mean. There ain't no about to be no instant messenger all day. Right. You nah. signing off. You putting your away message. Nah. No. Mm-mm. You get on, do what you got to do. Check your little AOL email and get yeah. off with the free disk. <laughs> You had the, the free, free little thirty day disc. trial. You stay get a new free disc every month. Let me get that free thirty days on AOL You're
1: with the little me back. man
0: running. You are taking me back, <laughs> but that was what it was. That's and so what it, was. it was very it was access, but it was limited access. Right. But I think that that's where we are consciously as a people. Like mm-hmm. we can handle that, right? But having literally the world at your fingertips in your back pocket at mm-hmm. any given moment. I don't know if consciously we're ready for that. spiritually, we're ready for that. Right. collectively, right. I don't know they were ready for that, because you see what it's making people do.
1: Yeah, they yeah. gathering all
0: kind of stuff, and yeah. doing all kind of you know, like how, how did no one know you had 79 guns and a bomb right in your whole and you learn how to do all of it on the www mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And like so it just gets into a whole new thing that it allows people to disconnect. And the more disconnected you become, you don't realize um, some of what
1: you're doing. Right. But you disconnect, but you have access to everyone. Right. That's the juxtaposition. Right. It's being disconnected from everyone, but you also have access to everyone. So I could not leave my house, not talk to anybody, but I could also look and see what 500 people are doing, depending on who I'm following, where they are, what they're doing. Yeah, so that part is... It's confusing. It's confusing to even a person who thinks they understand that dynamic. It is confusing.
0: If you're not consciously aware of it at all times, Mm -hmm. then it can feel like... And it's crazy because there are people that I did go to school with who, when we were actually in school together, every single day for four years at high school, maybe we said hi a couple times and right. that was that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, I see you raising your daughter, and I see uh-huh. you doing this, and I see you work for yourself, and da 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 da. And now I see you in real life, and I feel like we're BFFs, and I'm like, hey. Right. Or I see you and I feel weird because should I talk to you? I never really talked to you right. in real life, but now I feel like I know, I know everything a about lot you. About so you. are we cool or are we not cool? Yeah. So it's this really weird dynamic because I don't really do I actually know you. Mm-hmm. Or, like, seeing somebody and being like, somebody said to me, freaked me out, um, asked me a personal, oh, they said to me, I was out, this is one of my hair stages, and I had blue hair at the moment, Mm -hmm. and someone walked up to me and said, oh, I thought your hair was green, Mm. and... In the moment, I assumed they meant, like, from across the room, I thought it was green or whatever. And, like, now that I'm closer to you, I see that it's blue. And I just kind of didn't really take it. I was just like, oh, no, it's blue. And she was like, yeah, in the photo, it looked green. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, I follow you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And this is not, like, a person I know. Mm-hmm. But this is someone who followed me long enough right. to see me right. enough times to see me in person and go... Yes, I know you. Yeah. And feel comfortable enough. I don't know if it's because of what I share or whatever, to walk up to me. Mm hmm and on some level assume that I would know that she was my, one of my followers. Mm-hmm. And th- this is not coming from somebody who has all the followers out here and I'm just popping. Yeah, but you don't know. Like, you this just, ain't you, that. You, you know what I mean?
1: You in touch with who. I mean, you, you right. can't keep up with the people that start following you. And then the picture right. is so damn small on your phone. Like, you look at that and if their account is private and someone started following you, you're like, who is this? this you can't even really see what it's they not look even, like. yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay. But,
0: Which happened to me, too. Yeah. A girl, she said, hi, do you remember me? And I... I I said, well, being that you don't have a picture of yourself in your profile, and oh, your right. profile is private, I can't say that I do. Yeah. She was like, oh, sorry, I thought I said my name, and I was like, mm, this is weird. <laughs> so you know, I just I have like this really this is weird. like yeah like do you remember me? I'm like, what? Why, how would I remember you? Remember yeah. you from what?
1: Yeah, it's that false sense of intimacy. <laughs> yeah, very false sense of intimacy. You think you know, you, you think you know someone? And he's like, oh yeah, but you know, you don't know someone. You don't even know. There's I don't remember. There's some people that I follow because I love the way they dance. But I never heard them speak. As one girl following Fierce Dancer, and I I followed her, and then I got to a video where she actually was talking, I was like, I had no idea her voice sounded like that. I was totally surprised, and I thought, I really don't know anything about this girl other than what she looks like dancing. You know what I mean? But it was just that idea of, yeah, you think you're familiar with this person, but you actually don't even know what her voice sounds like. Right, right. You know, those kinds of things. It's just, it's interesting. And I was, you know, we were talking about uh, earlier that I just opened up my Instagram made my Instagram public and a friend of mine who is also in the industry and a dancer uh, Maude Arnold who, who's a part of Syncopated Ladies is tap oh yeah Argo's I've seen tap, their videos yeah, recently they are they are some bad sisters who are tapping their asses off And she said to me, um, she kind of keeps me up on on my technology stuff. She's like, why is your account private? She's like, just open it up. If you're using it for dancing to promote your brand, just open it up. I'm like, no, but what about... And I was really uncomfortable with that. And Mm -hmm. so I opened it up. I made it public. And it's not bad. You know, I don't post very personal things, especially now that it's public. But, you know, you get those notifications, such and such started following you, and you look, and after a while, it's like, you know, I'm not going to even try to keep up with this. Like, because yeah. you want to like, oh, I want to know who this is who's following me. I want to be familiar. with. But it's like, okay, well, you're not, you're just not going to keep up. And, <laughs> you know, even on Facebook, I remember I, I got a friend request of someone who we had a mutual friend. And he just saw me at an outing, and I thought, oh, okay, they're part of the same organization. They might be cool. And so we're friends on Facebook, but I've never actually talked to him. And he walked up to me when I was in a club and said, hey, how you doing, Nina? And I look like your face. You know, it's like when you see your doctor in the grocery store. It's like, right. You can't quite. Right. like, it's like I out know, of context. I know, I know you, but I'm like. I know, I was looking like, hey, I I know I know, and he's like Facebook, and I was like, oh,
0: and that's another thing for me. Like, don't get so comfortable right with that context of relationship. Right. Like, lead with that. And I need I you to date lead. Too. I need you to lead with that. Like, lead with right. Hi, Nina. I'm your friend on Facebook. Like, don't leave me wondering. Like, yeah. should I know you? Now I'm feeling motivated.
1: I'm like, no. I was on a date. And my dad looked at me like, what the fuck is that? And I right. Like, I really don't know. I, I actually don't, don't know. Who know that and
0: that like is. this is not a lie right now. Like, I know he
1: tapped me on my shoulder an and leaned very close to my face and, and said, was "Hi."
0: Incredibly excited, enthusiastic I about it.
1: Actually, do not know him. <laughs> Believe it or not.
0: That, see, that's weird. Like that. I need you to lead. Lead with that, like lead with the. Yeah. Like if if I don't, if you don't know that I know you, right? And you know that you just know right. me from social media. Like lead with that. Start right. off with, "Hey, we're friends on Facebook." Yeah, we're friends and on Facebook. Also, I wouldn't just come say hi. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because
0: then I'm not so like right frozen. Yeah like ooh and maybe don't touch the person <laughs> also maybe don't touch the person I'm gonna go with Xna the maybe yeah. also don't touch the person
1: maybe just hands off until you start all mad just and because actually... you double tap
0: on my yeah. face on the picture doesn't mean you get to come caress my actual cheek in real life so we're gonna go with rules for social media following right. and then I see you real life etiquette do not touch any part of me or a Fabric that is on my body. Like, you don't get to do it. Because that, she fully was like, oh, I thought fabric. it was green. I was like, mm, how do I know you? Yeah. So that is, wow, so many things. Mm. So many, so many things. And I'm, I'm just refusing to get on Snapchat. I'm just I refusing. I know. I don't feel like there's a need. And but no, I'm not that cool. <laughs> right? Like, I do some pretty cool things in life. But they happen so sporadically, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I don't know, if I was like perpetually on vacation Mm -hmm. or something, doing like great things that you want to see that maybe you never will, Mm -hmm. then maybe I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to this cave, they want to see it. Right. But like, pretty much, in general, I'm like at the gym.
1: Yeah, I'm a pretty chill person.
0: (laughs) And I don't think you care. Like, you don't need to see the squad, you don't need to see...
1: I don't think you care. Unless I'm dancing, I'm a pretty chill person
0: for yeah. the most part. I'm not really... So I don't, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, you know? Yeah. I know? I know, I know, there's like this pressure of like, you know, you're building a brand and when you have a business and whatever else and you feel like you have to stay abreast of whatever's the newest platform and be familiar with it and, you know, so people can find you and mm-hmm. be as available or accessible for that purpose,
1: mm-hmm. I just, I don't... The gram is enough for me. Right the gram is now.
0: enough. The gram, gram is
1: like, enough. I got one, one, one gram. <laughs> make a su- support group. When the gram is enough. Right. Yes. That's my support group. Yes.
0: When the gram is enough. Can I be your number one it's member? You and me. Like, I'm first. There's
1: two members right now. Yes. It's you and me.
0: If you would like to join when the gram is enough. Right.
1: When the gram is enough. <laughs> because. Because that's where I am. And I'm just going to have to be a fossil and not keeping up with <laughs> this technology. I'm just going to have to not just know it. just for a little while. And we're going to catch the next big wave of whatever that is. And I'm after, always late. I'm always late. I was
0: super late to Facebook. I was super late, was late to, to Facebook. To Instagram, I'm just gonna be late. I was, I was late. Yeah, I was, and really I'd be late. so late that a lot of stuff just fizzles out. Like I never got on Vine, and, then and that's I was how not you not know really what's gonna stick. That's yeah. how you have to
1: wait to see if stuff yeah. sticks. It's like okay, Facebook did that stick? Okay, I'm gonna join Facebook. Oh, Instagram did that stick? Okay, that's stuck. Okay, I'm gonna join yeah. Instagram. But I'm like, no, no, this is where I get off for a while.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be on the gram. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Graham Train.
0: <laughs> I don't know what other thing there is. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, thank you so much, Nina, for joining uh, me having, today. Having
1: said that, after we talked all this shit about technology, yeah, um, you, you follow, can follow me. At... <laughs> <laughs> Before you I go. Can, uh, follow me at Nina Flag. N i n a f l a g g on the gram. On the gram. On the Graham.
0: Get these dance hall moves yes. in. Yeah. That is I, teach, hilarious. I
1: do. I teach dance hall every Sunday at your neighborhood studio in Culver City at eleven thirty AM. It's a good time. It's a it's a mature adult, the very sexy, juicy class for my juicy. guys and girls. It is and it's dance hall every Sunday, YNS, your neighborhood studio, Culver City, eleven thirty AM. And if you also want to know a little more about me, you can go to my website, which is Ninaflag.com. That's N-I-N-A flagg dot com.
0: That's super dope. Thank you so much for coming to share your story today, and just thank you for having all me. of those wonderful things. You, what a dope life! I mean, not I mean <laughs> clearly, you, yeah. Like you've <laughs> got like so many other things ahead of you, I'm sure, and I know, and I'm and I'm excited about that. But like this far, just the print story alone is like insane and amazing. So yeah, thanks again for coming. You can follow me as well on social media, not on Snapchat. <laughs> but on pretty much everything else. I'm actually even on Periscope, which I probably have only used. I'm not, maybe I'm twice. Not
1: familiar. I don't know. I don't Periscope know.
0: Periscope is kinda cool well now that there's Facebook Live, which gets oh. on my whole nerve. <laughs> because not <laughs> stop notifying me and it's like stupid thing okay sorry people my <laughs> friends who go live on facebook this is not a personal jab except maybe it is it's some of the stuff that people do mm. it's like mm,
1: mm. i don't really I don't live really is like for a press conference
0: or like something to be really live. Like, planned. Live is like
1: when there's like something happening that really needs your attention like when i say here's something live, like I'm like, oh, okay, the president's about to speak. Right, like, like it's something hilarious. pressing, very pressing. When you put the word live,
0: live <laughs> broadcasting. Yeah, that's true. I guess it does kind of feel like, oh no, what's happening? Yeah, I need to know breaking news, right? right? Like when OJ busts yes. through. Like that's like live. That needs oh, to happen.
1: Shit, we're live.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> like we out here live. <laughs> not like like we lit, right. how y'all be posting? like we out here lit, and we think, you know, I think you guys care that we're like at the barbecue or whatever. I don't. But like, you know, know, unless President Obama's at your barbecue, then maybe you can go live on Facebook. That'd be kind of cool. I have, I am guilty of going live, mostly for like, um, curiosity, like how does this life thing uh-huh. work? And I've gone live, I've been on the radio a couple of times, and so I thought it would be kind of cool to be able to like, here's what happens on the radio when we're on commercial or like the songs are playing, mm-hmm. but we're in the studio mm-hmm. doing not radio things, mm-hmm. you know, and we're live, right? Mm-hmm. And then whatever. So that was fine. But anyway, um, I am on all of the other things. Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, Twitter. You can follow me at JoyHearts, J-O-I-H-E-A-R-T-S can find me there and um until we meet again thanks so much for joining me for real matters of the heart and i will see you guys next time Amen. peace